There are times where we can feel our entire life has been just turned upside down, and it's just because of one unfortunate event. What do you do when a simple fall takes you on a roller coaster ride of surgeries, procedures, and finally an amputation, when everything goes terribly wrong and each day becomes your worst nightmare? How do you still trust God? Well, my guest is Diane Moyer. And she's the executive director of the Bomb Ministries. And she has actually lived that nightmare. She has actually had to endure several surgeries because of a simple fall. But you know what? God was with her. And when you hear her testimony, you're going to say, absolutely, he was. So thank you so much, Diane. Thank you for coming on Touch by Prayer. Thank you for asking me. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I just want to kind of go back because um, you have an awesome ministry called the Bomb Industry. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, you are. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> so, um, and I actually wanted to talk about like what you do, which is pastoral counsel- counseling. And you really Correct. help to to heal people who have had traumas and have basically gone through some very, very difficult um, situations, especially you, you deal a lot with um, people who've been stuck in um, occults and who have been um, involved in, in different occultic activities. So, I mean, you've dealt with some very, very serious things. So I was really excited to to reach out to you. And um, so I called you and where were you when you picked up the phone? I was in my living room, I believe. No, the, the, <laughs> the second time that we were actually supposed to talk you were actually in the hospital. You just okay. You just broke your leg. Yes. Yeah. I knew I talked to you the night before. Yeah. But yeah. The second time. Yeah. Right. And so, and it was funny because we, I said, "Oh my goodness!" I said, "You you broke your leg," and you said, "Yeah," and and you were saying that it didn't hurt, which no, uh, which no. was really interesting. Yeah, it is to me because you know towards the end I I endured a lot of pain, but at first it didn't hurt at all. It was you know, kind of miraculous. Even when they dismissed me from the hospital and sent me home, you know, I had five steps to get in. And then I had my bathroom and bedroom were upstairs. So I had all those steps to go through. And still, there wasn't really any pain. You know, I didn't, I don't think I even took any pain meds at first. And so... Not even ibuprofen. But but within just a couple days, everything turned, correct? Correct. Uh, I broke it by falling on the ice. And I hit hard. I knew immediately that I had broken my leg. Um, then that night, uh, it was actually the next day, about 3.30, I got a call from the ER, and they asked me to come back. I was like, okay. You know, I thought that was kind of strange. And they're just, you know, but they were treating it, like, very casually. So I thought, all right, yeah, we'll just go back in. And um, I had no idea what I would be facing and that I wouldn't be home for, you know, almost four months from that time on. So what did what did the um, what did the hospital need you to come back for? When they did the CAT scan, they didn't read it correctly. And what had happened was when I broke the bones, it was cutting off the major artery to my lower leg. Wow! And so they needed me to come back in, and they were going to do cardiovascular surgery. They were going to do bypass surgery on uh, this artery to bring you know hopefully to put a new artery down to supply blood flow which they tried. They tried. uh, I think I had five bypass surgeries, each one of them lasting four hours. So you had five bypass surgeries and they, and they weren't able to fix it or connect your artery back. That's right. Each time when they would test it afterwards, the blood flow would stop within a matter of hours. Wow. Wow. And then they tried a compartment surgery where they like slice your leg. Okay. And so and what, what is that? So they, they slice your leg open to, mm-hmm. to allow it to, <clears throat> to drain. Is that what, what the, the purpose is or. I'm not really sure. Okay. I know they said that they cut it and it's like they sliced it and put like gauze between and left it open. Okay. And you know, I'm, I'm kind of squirmish, so I wouldn't even look. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. And at that point, you know, I've gone, I think at that point I had done four bypass surgeries. So that, was 16 hours of surgery and no chance to recover. I mean, this is almost like every day they're doing another, you know, the first day they did two of them and, and stuff, but there's like no recovery time. So at that point, my brain is, 
you know, kind of woozy and all that anesthesia and being under it for so long. I was not in very good shape mentally. Okay. So, so, so at what point they realized that they have, because I think your, your foot was actually starting to turn into gangrene, correct? Um, I'm not sure about that. I have no idea. I know when they did the compartment surgery, uh, the next day they put a compression thing on it. The orthopedics did. And the next day I had such excruciating pain for the first time. It was so bad. I was begging them to put me under. Yeah, okay. it was it was so bad. My friends were like looking. Even when I went down to the surgery room, there was an anesthesiologist. They were running through it trying to find anybody that would come and put me out because I was wow. in so much pain. Wow. Okay. So they, but they were still trying to save the foot because without yeah, blood yes, flow, that was the last it was surgery. Yeah. So without blood flow, there's there's a big problem. The foot's going to die. Yeah. Exactly. It was dying. And it was it dying. had actually started dying from the very you know when I first fell. So by the time you know I don't know this is my I'm not a doctor I don't know for sure, but I'm sure having a two day delay you know didn't help matters at all. Sure, okay. So while you are in in and out of consciousness, and d- did they actually put you in a medically induced coma at any point, or were you just out of it because of the anesthesia? Just the anesthesia. Okay. They life flighted me to Pittsburgh. And I did wake up, um, I think when we landed, I was in, you know, the helicopter, and they had put a block down my throat, and my tongue was sticking out and all that, and I was, like, totally grossed out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So when I did wake up, finally, and that was out, all I wanted was water. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I drank, they told me I drank seven gallons of water that day. Wow. That's a lot of water. Trying to get rid of that. Yeah, it affected my blood results, and they said I was never allowed to do that again. (laughs) I didn't need to do it again. It was just to get rid of that. Uh, it was almost like because I woke up and felt that it like left a taste in my mouth. And so my mouth was just so dry because, you know, there was no saliva or anything in there. And that's why it was like a psychological reaction to it. Okay. So, so in the meantime, while all this is happening, okay, we meaning the people who are are friends with you on Facebook and people who have, and Mm -hmm. and I'm like the newbie, I'm the newbie to the group. But (laughs) I, I, I start to, I start, cause I think it was Seneca Sharbron who um, connected us. She's like, you need to connect with Diane. I think you guys would really hit it off. Cause Seneca's always connecting people. She's so cute. Um, She is. I love her. I know she's just awesome. So, so I think what happened because like, like I said, I called you the day that you actually fell. And uh-huh. so because of it, like I somehow got into, like I started to hear, and because we have lots of mutual friends, that you had yeah. to go for surgeries. Because when I prayed with you, we were praying and declaring that you weren't going to have any surgeries. We were yeah. actually saying that right. you weren't going to have any surgeries and that the bone was going to come back together. But little did we realize that there was that, that nipped artery. So, exactly. so we were, so anyway, so I, I started to, to hear these things. And what was really interesting is that, and then you were out of it, but there were so many people, we, there were chains that were going around the people. We were all praying for you. There was like Facebook, there were group messages. There were all these different things. Churches in my area were, it just was amazing. I couldn't get over how many people were praying for me. And then they gave me a one day respite in Pittsburgh before they did the amputation. And as I looked at how many people were praying, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like tens of thousands of people praying for me. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if it matters, the amount of prayers, I'm going to get my miracle. You know? Yes. There's just too many people praying not to. But unfortunately, the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. <laughs> so. Well, now, but but in the process, like, were, were you having, like, encounters with the Father? Were you having encounters with Jesus that you can recall? Or is everything just a big kind of blur? Uh, no, I was having definitely. Well, at the beginning, there was no pain. So it was very easy to, you know, do my normal praying and, you know, spending time with the Lord. And you're in the hospital. You're kind of bored. So you know, it's conducive to having those encounters and that type of thing. Um, but I think the strongest one I had was when I was in Pittsburgh facing the amputation. And um, I heard then the Lord came to me and he's like, he asked me if I would go ahead and do the amputation. He said, I'm going to take your leg to give it back to you. And I'm like, um, 
okay, you know, I mean, God's asked me to do it. I'm going to do whatever he asks. That's just my heart towards him. You know, it was like I didn't even have to really think about it. It was just automatic. Well, God, if you're requiring this on me, then yeah, I'll do it. I'll go through whatever I have to go through, you know, if you're asking me to. So then it became a conundrum because I knew all these people were praying and I felt like this, this expectation that I was to get this miracle to help them in their faith. But I knew what God was saying. And it was like, okay, do I call everybody and say, stop praying? God said, I'm going to lose a leg. You know, it was, it was only a matter of hours, but it still, it was kind of a conundrum for me. Well, you know, if you, if you think about it, what's, what's interesting about that is like, if you, you know, when Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, he knew what was going to happen to him. And, yeah. and he said, Lord, if there is any other way, he says, please let me know. But if there isn't, it's, it's your will, not mine. Yeah. And I, Amen. and I think that that's very interesting because I do believe that sometimes, especially if you've talked to people who've had near death experiences and, you know, I've seen lots of different shows and I've actually had some people right. on who have had like death encounters where they've spoken to the father and and have come back and it's always the same thing oh, do you want to go back are you willing to do this is this okay uh -huh. like he it's almost like he asks our permission because yeah. because he totally wants to do something he wants to do something greater so so i guess at that point when he asked you would you be willing to let me take your leg and i'll give it back to you he was just basically borrowing it yeah <laughs> Yep, you're right. That's that's kind of how I saw it too. And it was at that point. I, I didn't tell you this before, but at that point, I went into this place with the Lord where we were in a walled area, and it was the Lord and me. And it must have been an angel because I remember a third uh, being being there too. And it was like that's where I stayed through the amputation and through the initial recovery period. I was in. It was almost like this walled city that where I was safe, and it was like. It was me and the Lord, you know, it, 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 like I was cocooned in there. And it was kind of cool because, you know, that's where my reality was to a lot of this, uh, the, you know, the initial amputation and the first uh, few days of recovery. Now, my family was there and they were such a huge help. I mean, I don't want to negate, you know, I had aunts and cousins come down to Pittsburgh to be there with me. And my family is a big, funny family. So there was a lot of laughter going on and stuff like that. So that helped too. But especially during the surgery, you know, when I went under anesthesia, I was in that walled place with the Lord. And, you know, at nighttime when nobody was there and I would look inside, that's where I was and that's where my peace was and that's where my safety was. So he provided that for me. So, okay, so you were in this like safe like a safe house kind of thing, <laughs> kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, and, and, but you know, there were, there were things that were happening outside, like before, before we heard about the, the actual, that the amputation was going to happen. Um, we were all praying, we were all praying for, mm -hmm. for everything. And there were, pe there were people who had visions. I had a really yeah. incredible vision that I kind of couldn't, I couldn't get confirmation of because I truly felt because of my prayer time for you, what I, I felt is I felt like my spirit was in the hospital room with you and I wasn't there alone. It was myself. It was um, praying medic and Dave Hayes and his wife, um, Denise Hayes. And yeah. it was Paul and Jenny Wilcox. And it was Michael King. And it was Susan Storm. And there was, uh, I think there was someone, there was someone else that might've been Seneca, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But, um, but there was, I think there was somebody else. And we were all standing around your legs and we were all praying over the foot. But this was the thing that kind of, because I'm not a, um, I don't know, understand anything medically. So, but this was the vision as I actually saw the foot being, it was up in the air and it was, looked like it was hanging from something. Like it was up in the air. That's what I saw. And I was like, uh -huh. and I was thinking, well, wait a second, that, that probably wouldn't make sense because they would want the blood flow to get down to the foot. But you were saying that you think during that compartmentalizing surgery that it actually was, that it was because of the compression, it was, it was actually lifted up in the air. Yeah, but I you're, think so. I'm not positive. But you're not positive. Remembered. Yeah, there was something, it, yeah, it felt like it was 
up anyway. So everybody was there. We were all praying over your foot. But this was the thing that was really interesting is is I, I saw this hospital room and it was a big room. There was nobody else in the room with you. Right across from where your bed was, there was a door that went outside. And I think the nurse's station was very close to it. And right. what I actually saw in the doorway is there were a bunch of people dressed in black trying to peer in. And they were all like trying to look and see what we were doing. They all were very interested to see what we were doing. And so I skipped over and I slammed the door. And then I skipped, and then I skipped back <laughs> and we continued praying over your foot. That's what we were, were, were doing. We were praying over that foot. So mm-hmm. it was very interesting because I didn't have, I didn't have any understanding, but it was, but there were certain, especially there was one individual that I actually saw that to this day I could probably describe. And it was very, very interesting because there were, there were some curses that were placed upon you. Right. And so I felt like there were people who weren't for you who were trying to peer in. How's that? Does that does that sound good? <laughs> I Yes, yes. I okay. totally believe that too. I yeah. really do. Because I think that sometimes, you know, what we are, you know, that's why I think it's very important and especially like for the in this particular show, I think it's really important to understand that you you know, you give out information to people who will pray in agreement with the information that's given and not just go rogue and go do their own thing. Because it, right. it, because when, you know, two or more agree, it's established. But one of the things that was interesting is I actually saw your foot amputated. I saw the leg amputated, but then I saw it growing back out. And I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, okay, wait a second. So it's going to go, but it's going to come back. <laughs> that's 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 what I really saw and it was like and you know and you can't you know it's hard because we were all praying that that this wasn't going to happen the amputation was not going to happen and we were believing that it wasn't going to happen and we were trying to kind of figure it out but there was something because it's like you get these like visions you get these snippets from the Lord and it's like wait is that coming from the enemy or is that really coming from the father and I think like especially when it's those situations where you're truly believing in the good, we don't necessarily understand what the good is. It's true. You know, we, we only go by what we know. And so we say, well, the foot being there, that's good. But gosh, I mean, losing your leg. Okay. And then having it grow back. Now that's a bigger testimony. Just saying. (laughs) It certainly is. You know, and since the surgery, you were saying that you, that, that God's already began to use this testimony and this, um, this trial that you went through to, to kind of reach people, correct? Oh my gosh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Um, even in my family, you know, they've, uh, my aunt said to me the other day, she goes, she was the one who really went through it all with me. She, you know, spent a lot of time in Pittsburgh with me uh, at the nursing home. Uh, she was instrumental in changing our health around so that I could come home, uh, her and her husband. And uh, she just was phenomenal. And she said to me just, I think, last week, she's like, it wasn't a trial to go through that with me, even though there was a lot of stress. I mean, she had to handle and make, my husband had to work. You know, he had things to take care of. So she was the one that was there day to day making sure I got to a nursing home, finding that nursing home, making sure I had everything that I needed in there. But she said, she said it wasn't as hard as as she thought it would be because she saw the Lord in me every day and she saw the Lord blessing me every day. And she said it a lot of times more than once a day. It like opened up her eyes to how huge God is, you know? And I I know, um, you know, my, my brother, he talked to her for an hour outside the elevators one day in Pittsburgh about the Lord, which was not an open door that was there before. And, and my mom, you know, she saw how I reacted with everything on the positive because I told her, I said, you know, I can sit here. I see what pity does to people. You have self-pity. You get depressed. You get down. And it just, it disables God from moving in your life completely. And so I was not going to allow any of that into my life at all, you know. So everything I reacted to was a very positive reaction, even when it was bad. I'm like, well, it's just a matter of time before it turns to good. You know, I'll turn the corner here. 
and for a long time, it was anything bad that could happen, happened. You know, I got an infection in the, uh, in the stump and when I was at the nursing home. I think I was at the nursing home two weeks. Then I had to go back down to Pittsburgh for 15 days. And all I had was my phone. I didn't take anything else with me, you know, because I was really hoping we were just going to see the doctor and come back. And, you know, and my aunt went with me, my Aunt Judy, and there she stuck with me, too. <laughs> and, and but God used that time down there. I mean, I had a, a, a friend and her daughter bring their little girl by. She had to see a dentist in Pittsburgh. So they stopped by and I got to play with the little girl. And we played ball and all that. Yeah, I had a great time, you know. It's just, you know, my daughter was going to a job fair down there. So she stopped in like my second day there. It's like every day we saw God do something awesome. You know, sending in, uh, I miss my dog and my cat. So pet therapy animals would come in. You know, it's just was amazing. Cards. Oh, I got so many cards. Oh, and especially this one. This one really blessed me. When I was initially in Pittsburgh, um, uh, uh, one of my uh, clients really sent me a, um, a little kit, you know, with all kinds of stuff in it. And I never got it. By the time she sent it, I had already left Pittsburgh. And so when I went back down two weeks later, that's when I finally got it. And it's exactly when I needed it because I had left everything back at the nursing home. And it had like, you know, books to cut and, and pe- colored pencils so I could color, which really helped during the pain. If I could color or do word searches or something like that, it, I could concentrate on that and kind of block out a lot of the pain. You know, it's, you know, you know, lozenges to suck on and little decorations that I could put up. It was just such a phenomenal gift pack. It just blessed me. It, it was right there when I needed it. And I was like, that is so God. He knew I was going back there. He made sure I would get that. You know, it's like that to me was like all a miracle because there's just the timing and everything was just so miraculous. Um, so, you know, I had all this stuff going on. It just, spoke to my family. It spoke to people around me. Even now, I have people come up to me all the time, and they tell me, um, they tell me that you know what an inspiration I am, and I'm just like, what? How? You know, <laughs> I was just honest going through all this. I just, yeah, I can't get over how I could be an inspiration to anybody, or anybody could say how much they admired how I went through it. First off, I didn't really think anybody knew how I went through it. But I went in and saw my doctor when I first got home, and she even said something. And I'm like, how would you even know that? But I guess they had written it in my medical records about how well I was handling everything and how good I was doing. Well, you know, and, and that's the big thing. It's like a lot of people during stuff like that can turn their backs on God. Because, you yeah. know, people will say, well, how, how does a good God do such bad things? And it's never God who does the bad things. It's it's yeah. the bad that does the bad things. It's never, never God. But, you know, he gave you, um, I, I, I just, I really think that, that that word that he said to you, would you let me borrow your yeah. leg, take your leg, and I'll give it back. That helped a lot. It helped me to accept it. Mm-hmm. Now, I did have parts inside of me. I had two different parts that questioned him. And one was, how can a good dad let his daughter lose her leg? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Lord answered that part right away and said, "The dad that knows the ending." Mm. Well, you know, look and at just was, look at the people who was in who were involved in the Boston Marathon who lost their legs. A lot of people lost their legs yeah. during the Boston Marathon, sure. and it was and it was interesting because during that Boston Marathon, when I saw that, I kept saying, "God's going to grow their legs back." I oh, wow. that's what I kept saying. I kept seeing because I kept seeing these people getting their legs back. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, wow. Yes, do it. Do it, Lord. Do it. But, you know, they don't they don't have that assurance. They don't have that promise. And I think that what, what he said to you, I'll give it I'll give it back. That's a yeah. promise. Now, yeah. that to me, a promise is just as good as like you know, you get a check from somebody, you can go cash it. Like it is, it is, there's a value to it, you know, cause some yeah. of the stuff that, that God said to, to Abraham, it was a promise to, right. to David. It was a promise. It was a promise. Yeah. So a lot of the things that he does, it's a promise. He gave me tangible proof of it. Mm. That's good. He, yeah, he did. Uh, it was, 
when I was recovering at the nursing home, and I, uh, Matt Evans and I, we worked together a lot. He had uh, called and said, a lot of people are saying you're going to get your leg back. Let's tell him that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I knew that from the start, you know, type of thing. Uh, but oh, it was probably about probably about eight years ago. I um, had, you know, I do prayer ministry, and I've never charged. I was always like, well, if you feel led to give. So, you know, nobody felt led to give pretty much. Uh, but I was uh, I, I was meeting somebody at a local restaurant, and when I backed out, I backed into a sign. And it did a lot of damage to my car, and I needed $500 deductible. I'm like, well, Lord, I was doing your work. I don't feel right taking it out of our bill money to fix this, so you're going to have to bring in the $500. And, you know, September went by, October, November, no $500. And that's when I started getting mad. <laughs> it's like, I need to get this car fixed. You know, I'm driving around with my, you know, the back end having this hole in it, this vent. And um, I went to a night of worship and I was really there to hear God and I heard nothing. And earlier that day I'd been at coffee with these two women. They had designer purses and the one was getting them for $10 at the local Goodwill store, you know, and that night I went home and I heard nothing at worship. And I was really, really mad at this point. I'm like, you know, God, I'm getting really tired of this. You didn't bring in that $500 and I don't even have $10 to go out and buy a designer purse. And that's when he broke my heart. He's like, why did you get into prayer ministry? I'm like, oh, yeah, to see eternal results. You know, it's just, he took me back to the reason why I first did it, uh, you know, and, and all that, because it was all about the people I was ministering to. It was getting them healed up. It was nothing to do with me, and I had turned it into $500. Mm. So I released it all, and, you know, November and December went by. In January, a client came in. She goes, I just, you know, have a Christmas present for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and I open it up, and she got me a designer purse. <laughs> she got my daughter a designer purse, uh-huh. you know, and she got everybody in my family something. And then she goes, and this is yours, too, and it was $500. Oh, my gosh. So he gave you everything. Yes. Like, mm. So since then, coach purses have been his signal to me that what I'm praying for, it, that's major I'm going to get. And sure enough, when I was at the nursing home, a friend sent me a coach purse as a gift. She had no idea. That's awesome. So when I opened that up, I'm like, okay, this is God telling me. This is tangible proof of getting my leg back. Mm-hmm. So every mm-hmm. time, I mean, that's the only purse I use right now is that one because I'm declaring to everybody that I'm getting my leg back mm-hmm. subconsciously. I I agree. I definitely agree. And I think that, you know, having some sort of, you know, God will, will do things. And it, and it's funny how, how he'll do things. There was this, um, there was one instance that, um, I, we were living in Bloomfield and, um, my husband uh-huh. was, waiting, was waiting for a paycheck to come and, uh, Alex was little and I was pregnant and I was going to make spaghetti and meatballs, but I needed to also get coffee. Oh, I, I must not have been pregnant because I needed coffee. So, <laughs> so I, so I was looking around the house because the check was coming, but we didn't get a chance, but it, but it didn't come yet. And I just needed, I only needed a few bucks to go get the meat because I had everything else. I just needed meat and coffee. That's it. Uh-huh. And so I said, to, so I'm going into my closet because I used to kind of, keep changing stuff in my closet. So I'm in my closet and I'm going into the pockets. And I said, Lord, I said, I just need $5. $5 is what I need so that I can get my meat. Uh-huh. And then I said, well, well, actually I need $7 so I can get the coffee and the meat. But I, I said, well, actually, if you're going to give me money, I'd like to get $20. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I have a little left over. I said, uh-huh. I go, but no, 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 it's all right. Just $5 is all I need. So I reach into one pocket and I feel all this and it felt like money. And I pulled it out and it was all these receipts. And I was like, oh man, it felt like money. And I reached into the other pocket and it was $27. It was a 20, wow. it was a five and two singles. So he gave yeah, me the five. Yes. Oh, wow. He gave me the seven <laughs> and then he gave me the 20. Oh, that is too awesome. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> that is so God. So when you, when you start to, when you start to ask for things, like you said, you know, you said, uh-huh. you said to him, I can't even get a designer purse. He said, well, that's because I don't want you to spend your money because I'm going to give it to you. Amen. You know, Amen. he's like, I have, yeah. I have it. I have your designer purse and it's even better than what you would have gotten because you probably exactly. wouldn't have picked out the best. 
No, definitely not. <laughs> right? It's like... Oh. Right, right. I would have got the cheapest, the secondhand. I would have went to a dollar store. Exactly. store probably and bought a used one. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you're right. And he gave you a brand spanking new one. He gave you, yeah. he gave you quality. He gave you the best. He gave you his best. And that's what I always feel like the Lord always wants to give us his best. And so Amen. even through this ordeal, you know, you, you know, you were able to, to show the love of God. You were able to be yeah. that light in, in, in such dark places, because I'm sure okay. that when the nurses would come in and say, how are you doing? If you weren't in pain, you were like, I am blessed and highly favored. <laughs> <laughs> You My know, especially the nursing home. Are you there? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Can I, you not hear me? Yeah, for some reason you just kind of uh, came out. But you you were saying about the nursing station. Uh, yeah, when when I was in the nursing home, uh, my room became known as a place of peace. Mm. And a lot of them, when they were really fed up or upset, they would come in to calm down stuff and, and it, I know it's because the spirit of God was there and they were recognizing it so they would come in and you know and it just it was really cool to know that that's how God was using me there and just to be a light um, I know I was at the end when I was able to really be mobile you know at first without a leg you're not very mobile and they had to take you up in this little crane like thing and put you in your wheelchair and, you know so you're just not out of bed a lot but towards the end, when I was able to do it on my own and stuff, I started reaching out to the clients. And the day that I left, there's this one crouchy old man. I always called him a curmudgeon because I knew even though he was mean and nasty on the outside, he probably had a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. And so I always was really nice to him and stuff. And the day I was leaving, um, I went in to talk to one of the physical therapists about my new wheelchair. And he was there. And he's like, you're going? I'm like, yeah. And they said something about how... Um, I was always so positive and pleasant and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I have so much. I have so much. You know, I have the Lord. I have his blessings. I had lots of people coming in to visit me. The food there was awful, so people would bring me food. You know, it was just, especially spinach salad. That's like my favorite. And I had a friend bring me that. You know, it was just like blessing after blessing after blessing that I could never be down because it was always so much that just made me feel so loved and so favored. So I would always try to reach out to them. And I told them, well, I'm doing that because I have so much. And if I can just make somebody smile, just give a little bit of it away. I said that, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. I just want to give a little bit of what I've gotten away. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? He goes, you do a great job of it. Oh, see? And I just started to cry you know <laughs> this is the mean guy who used to make fun of me and i mean he said some nasty things to me mm-hmm. during my time there mm-hmm. and that but that was the parting word he left me with mm. see and that and i think that you know you were placed in those certain in those certain uh, hospitals and the nursing homes and you were you were placed there for a purpose and for a reason yeah you know that there was um that he had something bigger to do oh he did yeah I, I really believe it. Even uh, when I was in the NICU at St. Vincent's, one of the nurses, I didn't even know she was a Christian, you know, until uh, I, I part of a local radio station. And when they did their uh, ladies' conference, they get, get told my story and asked everybody to sign this huge card for me. And so the nurse wrote on it. She goes, you know, I knew there was something about you. It was like she just recognized the Lord without even knowing I was a Christian. Because, I mean, it was the NICU. I was pretty out of it. So it's just kind of cool to hear stuff like that and that people can tell, you know, even when you're only partially with it. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. And there's always something that that he can use that you don't even think he could use, but he can he can use you even like in your even when you're like practically out of it, you're practically in a coma. Do you know what I mean? Because you're so out of it. (laughs) He can still use you. That just I know, isn't it amazing? It does it's so good. It's just so good. So have you gotten back into your practice? Have you have you gotten back to work yet? Um, I'm doing it on a part time basis. I'm I'm starting back slowly because, you know, I, I'm not one hundred percent. I'm close, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, so I have started slowly and we'll increase it as I'm able. Okay. And um so let me, I, I just wanted to ask, like, because you were talking about the, um, 
the place that you went to during the actual amputation and during the recovery. Were there any other places that the Lord took you to kind of help you to prepare for this? Because I kind of feel like in that that safe house, as you were calling it, I kind of felt like that was to prepare you for this next venture. Like it was just basically to get to strengthen you. Yeah. I, um, I don't have a lot of memories from that time, to be honest, because of the shape I was in. I just remember being in that place that that could be very possible, but God knows my character and he knows when I'm facing a challenge I'm not going to meet the challenge. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go above it because that's just who I am. So, you know, maybe he was strengthening that part of me. I don't know. I I really don't know. But you could be very correct. I don't think he took me anywhere else. I was kind of glad when I got to come out of there because it was like almost like a transition from the very bad to, okay, now I can deal with reality. Right. You know, when I was in there, I couldn't really... It, it was a place of, like I said, I was protected in him. And that was good because, you know, you saw what, you know, it was like probably when you shut the doors when God took me in there. Oh, wow. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that nobody could see what was going on. So I couldn't have anything bad spoken against me. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in there. Nothing could touch me. And I, I and it really, that's probably about when I went in there because I remember it happening a little bit before the amputation. Right. And, you know, it was, it was really, it was a really powerful, I mean, just the, the people who were, who were praying for you and the, and the words that were coming Mm -hmm. across and it was, I mean, it was a really, really powerful time. And I can understand why you would feel like, oh, these people are going to be so like distraught because their prayers didn't, you know, the prayers didn't avail much, you know, but honestly they did because I, you know, based on some of the things that the Lord kind of showed me, I felt like there, there was a lot of touch and go there on, on whether you were even going to live, you know, let alone keep your foot. I mean, the foot was like the last thing, you know, but it it started a couple of people say that, that I was supposed to die. Wow. Wow. Because that was the whole intent of the attack was to kill me. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's what I really feel like what was, we were doing the, the greater good which was, you know, mm-hmm. praying for protection and praying for you to stay alive to, right. to and to make it through. Because, you know, when you start to go through surgeries, especially multiple surgeries, I mean, there are all different types of complications that can can happen. I mean, there can be you yeah. know, heart issues and lung issues. And I mean, you know, some, some people go in for simple things and, you know, they just don't come out, you know. But God has... Even the infection. Yeah. Even the infection I had. That was MRSA. And a staph infection. It was like they had to, that's why I was in the hospital for so long. I had multiple surgeries for that as they would debride the uh, wound and that type of thing. But they also were giving me intravenous antibiotics. I was on intravenous antibiotics for, I think, like two and a half months, like the strongest antibiotic they have. Wow. And, you know, of the seriousness. And there was, um, there was also talk that they were going to have to cut your leg again. They were going to have to go and 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 cut it higher as opposed to like i think it's at the knee is that correct that was when i had the infection they were afraid that they would have to do that but it ended up they were just able to cut out the flesh and i'm on a wound back now that's bringing the flesh back and pretty much almost to the uh even with with the skin around it now wow just have to wait for the skin to grow back which it will yeah 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 oh definitely yeah you know and i i just um it was interesting because, you know, it's Diane, when, when you and I, when we first talked, when you were in the hospital and I was saying that you were going to run. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and I haven't thought about that until just this very second. You know, I'm like, well, you're, if, you know, if, if you said, if I said you're going to run, then I guess you're going to run. But, you know. That's right. You know. That's right. That's, I'm looking forward to it. I've thought yeah. about it a few times uh, here and I'm like. I've had so many confirmations that I'm getting at my leg back. Mm-hmm. And usually God doesn't give you that many unless you need it to really build your faith. Sure. So I'm, I'm ready whenever it might be, you know, might be this year. It might be five years. Right. I, I'm not going to worry about that. I just know it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. But I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to run when I get it back. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm going to run because Lisa said I was going to run and I can't wait. That's so funny. I mean, I completely forgot about it until we were just sitting here doing the show and it's like, you told her she was going to run. I went, oh, shoot, I did, didn't I? 
<laughs> I sure did. I sure did. And I do. I do believe that. I And I, you know, look, we, we are positioning ourselves for the greatest move on earth. God is about to do mm-hmm. something so big. He even, he said to me, he said, Lisa, I am preparing for my greatest move on earth. And I'm thinking, gosh, well, wasn't Jesus your greatest move on earth? But imagine something that had to be bigger than Jesus that's coming. Wow. Come on. Yeah. Come on. A whole bunch of Jesuses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ig- that's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. That all the little Jesuses are going to be, and, um, anybody who's listening, you know, we, we just believe <laughs> that Jesus yeah. lives inside of us. So we are little Jesuses. So there you go. Right. <laughs> you know, where he exists. Yeah. You know, greater works than, that's than right. Me. That's right, because he's also given us authority. Yes. You know, and I, I just think that that we as as uh, the body have to be, we have to be strengthened too. That we have to, like, understand what our authority is and, and to be able to operate it in, a, in it fully. And I'm sure, like, you know, when you first started in, in your, um, in, with your prayer ministry, like, I'm sure that when you first kind of had this idea that you were supposed to do this, that the Lord showed you this, you probably were like, wait, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> Cause some of it can be kind of scary, right? It can be very scary. And sometimes you just don't know what, what's going on and all that. But I'll tell you something. Um, I learned very early on just to trust God in it. And so I, I just stopped worrying about it. I never get anxious or worried or nervous or anything because I know that he will come through every time. Absolutely. Because he's a good father. He's a good, good daddy. He is. He is. And, you know, it's like when you hear, when you hear somebody who's still smiling and gosh, you know, I don't know if you've ever listened to um, Nick Vojacek or Voyage. Voyage. Yes. yes. Okay. So he has yes. no arms, no legs. Right. Right. And so he, it's, um, I think his ministry is life with no limbs. I think that's what the mm. name of it is. And so I, I heard him and I heard him speaking and he said that he, you know, he goes around and he prays and people get healed. And so he said to the father, he said, how come I'm not healed? How come I don't have hand arms and how come I don't have legs? And the Lord mm. showed him a vision and he saw all these people who were standing in a line. And he says, do you see all these people? And he said, yes. He says, those are all the people who never got to hear your story, who never came to me. And so he's like, yeah, right. And so he was like, okay, forget it. I'm good. He, but then, but then he kind of winks and he says, but I still have a pair of sneakers just in case he changes his mind. You know, so he does. He has a pair of sneakers in his closet as a reminder that one day, because you know what, that that's the thing. It's like when we, when we go back to what Jesus did, you know, legs grew, arms grew, hands were fixed, eyes were open, ears were open, the dead were raised, the demons were cast out. We're just starting to kind of get into this. I mean, especially like with the healing, I think that. How many times have you seen the, the people who are like, one leg is shorter than the other. We're going to pray and that leg's going to grow out. I command that leg to grow, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, I've done it many times. Right. I have too. Okay. Yeah. So, but you put a stump there? Huh. What are we going to do yeah. about that? <laughs> what are we going to exactly. do about that? Huh? We're just going to, I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Pun intended. Pun intended. Right? So you're like, yeah. because it's too big. It's too big. Like just, exactly. just recently I prayed over somebody who has, um, who had mul- uh, multiple sclerosis. Mm. And, um, and the only reason that I did it is because the two women who were with her or no, cerebral palsy. I'm sorry. She had cerebral palsy, not multiple sclerosis. She had cerebral palsy. And so they came over. And they said, Lisa, we want you to pray over this, this young lady. And I was like, wait a second. But they, but they were like, no, no, we really want you to pray. I'm like, okay. So I started to pray. I started to pray over her. And one of the things that now I don't know, again, anything about like anything medical, but I started to come against the spirit of scoliosis off of her, not realizing that people who have um, cerebral palsy have scoliosis. 
That's oh, why I didn't they're know that. or uh, well, it could be. It, it's okay. Just just it's either it's either MS. I don't think it's MS though. I don't think it's multiple no. sclerosis. I think it. I uh-huh. I think it was cerebral palsy. But she, and and her feet. She had somebody pray, and her feet turned back out because they used to turn in. So her feet oh, turned yeah. out, right? Uh-huh. And so I prayed. Okay, so I prayed over her back, and she was bent over. And then all of a sudden, I told her, "Stand up!" I went, "Stand up!" like that, and she shot straight up, and her back was completely aligned, completely aligned. But one shoulder was higher th- than the other, so it looked like she was kind of like awkward. And so what happened is I, I started to talk to the, to the shoulders and I told them to become even. And, and so that's, that's what happened. But it was like, but I wouldn't have done that. I would have never done that if, if it was like placed before me, but because somebody else told me to go and do it, I felt like I got permission. I felt like daddy was with me. And I think that's, that's, what's going to be happening, especially like, With, with your situation and I, I just even feel like what you've been through this has probably even in, increased your your faith about what God is going to do through you correct oh yes I, I've asked them even for stuff because you know being in a nursing home I saw so many with chronic pain and I was in a lot of pain I mean unfortunately that time of no pain ended <laughs> and you know I ended up going through quite a bit of pain and I'm like how can people live with this with no hope Right. I at least had hope it was going to end. You know, I'm recovering. I'm going to get to the place where, you know, a couple of years down the road, I'm not going to have any pain. But they had no hope of it ever going away. And so that's the one thing I asked God. I said, Lord, I want to be able to pray for people with chronic pain and have it totally go away forever. Oh, that's that's a great prayer. That's a really great prayer. And what you overcome, you have a greater authority to do. Correct. So. Correct. So, so I think that your practice is, is going to come in from, from emotional and, and spiritual healing. I think you're going to actually move into actual healing, healing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, well I, I think you do that too. Yeah. In case you do that, you know, with the emotional, you do that. Uh, so there's always been an element of it, but I've never considered it like a major part of my ministry. But I'm getting more and more words about how I'm going to be doing more teaching and prayer ministry and, yeah. and that type of thing. So I think with that will come the practice I need to really develop it and raise my faith to the point where it's happening continuously instead of, you know, one out of 10. Yeah. No. And I, I do see that. I see that Diane for you. I see that God is just going to like, you know, it's, it's going to be like, here, wheel me over to them. Yes. You, you know, (laughs) stand up straight. Yes. Legs get back into alignment. Oh yeah. It's going to be like, because there's such a, you're going to have such a, a confidence in, in what you're called to do. And it's like, and yeah. what's, um, honestly, and, and I'm just kind of saying this just cause I, I, I just have to say this, but I feel like the demons are really afraid. I'm mm. just saying that they're really afraid because mm-hmm. they're like, she's back. <laughs> She's back. Uh oh, we need to be concerned. We need to be really concerned. Because, yeah. Well, they do. I've been in a deliverance ministry for how many years? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're not even allowed to talk around me or anything. I don't even have to pray anymore. They see it. Yeah. In me, in the spirit realm, I really believe they can see that. And they don't even try because I don't allow it. Right. Well, and I think they should be concerned. Well, and, and that's the whole thing is because I sometimes feel that with healing, that um, sometimes you have to get rid of the spirits before you can, the actual mm-hmm. healing can manifest because there's a, a, there's sometimes strongholds, you know, but that's, that's true. So, you know, you already have that gifting inside of you. So the healing is going to be easier. And then it's just commanding the body parts, you know, yes. saying, get back in line or do this or do that. I mean, the coolest thing is to pray over people's hips. That to me right now, that's like my fun thing to do. I'm like, whoop, I think your hips are out of alignment. Oh my gosh. Seriously, Diane, the whole, the (laughs) whole body shifts, the whole body. If their hips are out of alignment, the entire body moves and they just look at you like, are you kidding me? Because the the, the hips actually turn. You can actually feel it. Like my daughter's like, you're pushing on me. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's your, your hips. They have to listen. 
They have to. They have to obey. Uh huh. So they, they just start shift. It's the cool, and you can feel it through your hands. You're like, this is so cool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But it's like, oh yeah, it, you know, it's it's those kinds of things. And I think, like, especially being in a hospital, like, because you were in the hospital for four months, I'm sure that that there were things that even even in your incapacitated state, because you were praying in the spirit, because you constantly pray in the spirit, that people were probably mm-hmm. getting healed and being getting, you know, getting out of there probably quicker because of your proximity of how close you were. Because you're going to affect the area that that you inhabit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So did yeah. did any of the nurses, like, did they ever ask you, like, what you did? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand, too, um, doing all this, I was co-authoring a book with Seneca and a bunch of other ones uh-huh. and with Matt. And yet my brain is, like, not working. So um, they would come in and I'd be, like, talking with them on the phone about th- these things that we're writing about. They'd ask me about them and that type of stuff. So, yeah, that got a, I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of ones that uh, we. I always knew who the Christian ones were because as I would talk, then we would start really talking about it and everything. And the ones that weren't, it didn't stop them from coming in. They still came in. They were still interested. Well, and that, that's the so, whole thing. Uh, so, and, I, and I'm just going to, I have to segue because it was such a beautiful. So can you talk a little bit about the book? Sure. Okay. Sure. Um, Last year, Seneca asked uh, six of us. There's six of us total. There's herself, myself, Matt Evans, um, Seneca, um, Michael King, Sam Brewster, and Ruby Hunter to write a book. It's called Broken to Whole, Healing for the Fragmented Soul. And really, it's nothing. There, there's nothing like this out there. Cause fragments, uh, it's a newer way that God has taken us to do inner healing, emotional healing, it's so much easier to work with a fragment because you don't have to go to the memory. You don't have to go to the pain. You don't have to go to those things that frighten people off from emotional healing. All you have to do is work with their fragment. And fragments, we all have them. Uh, they're created any time that we suffer a trauma, we get wounded in any way, we feel rejected. It's just a part of our soul carries that for us so that it's not facing us day to day. You know, they're fragments like carry our hurt they carry our wounds uh, they are awesome I love them I tell people it's kind of like think of your body your body is one but it has many different parts you have fingernails you have fingers arms legs you know it's one but it has many different parts and our soul is the same way it's one and we always knew it had mind will emotions we always knew the imagination came from there but there's a lot of different parts that make up our soul and fragments are just another one of those parts. They each have a job to do. And the ones that are wounded, they get tired because they've been carrying this woundedness for a long time. They're in pain all the time. You know, they can never escape it. They can't push it away. And they speak. A lot of times we think it's the devil speaking and it's actually a fragment. You know, we'll say, oh, God, you're so good. And the fragment's there, like mine was, how could a good father allow a daughter to lose a leg? You know, I had another one that spoke up and said, you know, well, of course you were going to say yes. Who would say no to an almighty God? You'd be struck dead. You know, that was a religious one. <laughs> and and it was so cute because uh, at that point, an angel was ministering to me. And the angel's like, you always have a choice. And you know your God. He would never, ever punish you for making a choice for yourself. And I was like, yeah, I do know that. You know, it's it's just, and that is what healed those two fragments hearing from God. And so when we work with fragments, we're really teaching the fragment how to hear from God, how to experience Him so that the hurt and woundedness is healed. And because uh, you're working with the fragment, the person doesn't suffer through emotional healing. You don't have to go back and, and you know, oh, God, I was molested. Oh, look at... No, we just work with your fragments that were molested. They encounter God, they get healed. And the coolest part is God has taught me how to do it in the spirit realm because I see in the spirit realm so well. So I could go in the spirit realm, find your fragments, and introduce them to Jesus and get them healed. Whoa, come on now. That's... Yeah, I could travel in the spirit. That's so and the awesome. Best part, the best part, you have an unbelieving spouse. Well, guess what? Not all his fragments are unbelieving. You can pray for his fragments, start getting him healed up, because it's all about their will. They're part of the soul. They have their own will. 
Wow. I was, um, I found this out by a, a friend. She's like, oh my God, my husband's being so mean to me. I don't know what's going on. It just won't stop. Can you do anything? And I knew the husband was not going to let me pray with him. So I, um, I went in the spirit and I saw on the outside this huge fragment that was really stirred up and really angry and hurt. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, I know he doesn't, won't let me pray for him, but will you go to that fragment and heal him? And the Lord did. And she talked to me like two weeks later and she's like, he's been a different person. He hasn't done that again. Wow. You know, it, it, and again, I've had people like I prayed for their uh, one, one woman, her daughter was three and having um, nightmares and dreams and waking up and being in an altered state. And we prayed and that hasn't happened since. Wow. So there's the fruit that goes with this. I'm not just saying this in faith. There's been actual fruit from every time I've gone in. Well, not every time, but most of the time that I go in the spirit and pray for someone, we see some type of fruit benefiting from it. That's awesome. So now is this book actually, is it um, released? Has it been published yet? Uh, One with Seneca should be out by the middle of July. Okay. She wants to have it before the gathering. Okay. Uh, And Matt and I, Matt and I have a book that's coming out right around the same time that goes into more in-depth material. So if you read hers and you want to know more, then you can get ours. And they'll be able to go to, to your, um, to the bomb industry. My website. Yeah. Yeah. They can go there. Okay. And Seneca will have it on hers. Okay. Which is freedom. Hers is freedom blog. I think. Right. I think that's hers. Uh, yeah, probably. I, I, I know it's, it's her thing is freedomflowers.com. Yeah. But yeah, it might be Freedom Blog. And uh, mine is, of course, thebomb.org. Uh-huh. Right. That's it. I'm going to just see, just so I can get her. Let me just see if I can find her. Um, freedomflowers.com. That is um, one of her websites. Freedom-flowers.com. Yes, freedom-flowers.com. And also your, your dream moves. Wait, I can't see that. <laughs> there's another one it's like oh your dream venture.com that's another one of her oh, websites yeah, that's for her business but that's yeah. for her business so but if you go to freedom freedom hyphen right or dash flowers.com right yeah right and, and so you can go there and you can get a copy of that book when it when it gets released and i'm sure once it gets released it'll you know i'll definitely post it on uh touch by prayer i'll put it on um my page so and i'll, I'll st- oh, definitely share oh absolutely i'll definitely share it. and what we should really do is we should have like you we should have michael king and we should have seneca come in and talk about the book that would be kind of fun oh. yeah that would be that would that be would very be. very fun we could do a three-way conversation i figured out how to do that ha ha <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah i just i just think diane like everything that you've been through that you still have like you still have the joy of the Lord that you still have yeah. the, the, the happiness and the, and the faithfulness. Like you can still see the hand of God. You can see that he's going yeah. to move and you know that he's faithful. And I do believe that what you. He's been incredible. He's and, been incredible. It's been an incredible journey. When people say, I don't know how you've gone through it. I feel like a fraud because it's really been incredible because of the Lord. Well, because he's not good. He's just that good. I mean, the fact that he brings you spinach salad, come on now. <laughs> I know. I was like so touched. <laughs> I'm like spinach. It was an expensive spinach salad too. Say, you know? say, and and then you also got your little kit, and you got your your you know pocketbook. I mean, come on. Oh, he I is, got so many things. You got Flowers, so many things. Cards, hundreds and hundreds of cards. No. Oh. Uh, oh my gosh, people would send me care packages. It was. It was unbelievable. Well, necklace, I guess one person sent me a necklace that I still haven't found uh-huh. oh. <laughs> with, with an essential oil. It's, okay. it's been a great journey. Uh, well, I, I'm just going to say, I just want to give you a few minutes if you would like to just say something to those who, who have just supported you. I just wanted to kind of give you the... Oh, I would love the, to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do. I just want to thank everyone for your prayers, for your cards, for your gifts, uh, for just reaching out on Facebook or even here coming to visit me at the nursing home, at the hospitals, you do not know how much I appreciate it. And I really want to thank my family. I mean, they came together. They changed my downstairs so that I have a bedroom down here and a bathroom. You know, they worked together on weekends. They worked, you know, took the ones that were retired were here during the days. They put so much effort and so much money into this house to, so that I can come home. So I want to thank them. Uh, I want to thank even the ones that told me that I was an inspiration, I don't feel that I am. 
but I really appreciated you saying it. It made me feel really good. So thank you for that. And um, I want to say say thank you to. I'm not going to name people because if I do, I would forget. There's like hundreds of you to name. But um, I do want to say that you know when I left the nursing home, my one thought was, oh, my blessings are going to stop. And the Lord said, no, my blessings are new every morning. And I've been home for over a month, and his blessings are new every morning. And I think everyone should reach out for that. You know, we always get reflections of pity, and it's okay to, oh, my God, you lost a leg. You should feel sorry for yourself. Let's not do that anymore. That doesn't lead to anything but depression and sadness. Let's start emulating the positive. Let's start looking for what is good in our day, what is good around us, and focusing on that instead of the negative. And as we do that, then we're going to become the children of God we always wanted to be. Then our faith will arise because the kingdom of God operates on faith. So as we do that, join me in that and see what a difference it makes in your life. Amen. Ooh, that was good. I got goosebumps. (laughs) <laughs> that was so good. So if people would like to um, to contact Diane, you can actually go to debomb.org. That is her ministry. You can even send her, like you can send her a little note. You can also follow her on Facebook. It's Diane Moyer. Um, and I know you guys are going to be hearing much more from Diane because she is about to be unstoppable. She is going to be go, go, go. Lots and lots of stuff to do. So times, Amen. I just, I hear that song, Time's a Wasting. <laughs> it, it's, um, it's, um, what's, uh, what is it? Um, I guess it's Johnny Cash and June Connor Cash, right? Is that, is that the, is that, it's called Time's a West Wasting. That's what I heard. So there's no time oh. wasting. Yeah. I'm going to have to, oh. yeah, all of a sudden, sometimes I hear songs. I'm like, huh, uh-huh. wait, <laughs> where, I think I was writing about that this week. Oh, was she? Yeah, I'm I'm always getting songs. Songs are always, you know, God's always putting different songs in my head. So it's um cool. Yeah. And that's usually how he talks you know, how he talks to me and and that's his um I guess that must be my love language because I love music. And so he just uses the music that I love. And that's uh that's how so let me just ask you one more question before we end. Um Okay. What um because I know that you see in the spirit how many angels did you see in your room? Because I'm just imagining you had, you must've seen angels coming in and coming out because people were praying and people were sending blessings. So it must've been yeah. like grand central station in your room. It needed to be. There was a lot. I see in the spirit. I see the darkness too. Yeah. There was so much of it there. Uh, so there were a ton. I had, I had eight that were on my bed all the time. And then I, I had, then there were some that came and went and there were some that stopped some different things that were going on. So, the, uh, yeah, there was quite a bit of angelic activity. But I would look at the ones around my bed and knowing that they were guarding me. They, I mean, they were all around the bed, and they were huge. So I always slept so well there. Well, see, the, I was and, surrounded by angels. Well, how could you not sleep if you have an angel surrounding you? And um, Exactly. And so has the Lord told you that you're going to write a book about this? Yes, he did. Yeah. I had <laughs> we writing that book with Seneca. Yeah. We had somebody that was interceding. The woman doesn't know anything about my name. She doesn't know what I went through. She has no idea who I am. Unless she listens to your broadcast tonight, then she might know. But, uh, <laughs> one of the words she gave me was that I was going to write a book. And yeah. It was going to become a blockbuster movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, I definitely can see that. And it's going to, just like, you know, there was um the, what is it, Soul Surfer, who was uh, yeah. Bethany, who lost her arm. And right. how she yeah, was the shark a, attack. yeah from the shark attack and how that turned into such a blessing t- for her. I see the same thing for uh-huh. you that you're going to really oh. just encourage people to push them, not only to to push their limits but to push their faith that God is good and that He is oh. going to restore. He is going to restore the things that have been stolen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that word. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Diane, this has been so much fun. You are just such a blessing. And I just, gosh, we talk on the phone and it's just, it's like hours. It's, you know. I know. It's like we're already connected and best friends yep. somewhere in the spirit. Yes. <laughs> yes. And this, this has just been such an adventure. And I just bless you. And I bless your husband. God bless your husband. Your husband is such a rock, man. He is such a rock. Oh, he is. He's God bless incredible. him. Incredible. Yeah. I should send out a special thank you to him because I don't, 
he has stepped up and done whatever has needed to be done. Yeah. He's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I just, I just see he has just been such a rock and, and because of mm-hmm. this, he's actually going to step out and do more because now. He, oh, amen. Yeah. Because now he wants to take back some of the darkness that was put on you. Seriously now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He has. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He's, he's ready to go fighting. <laughs> so you're not you're not going to be fighting but you're not going to be fighting alone you're definitely going to be fighting with him by your side so it's going to be it's yes. going to be very very fun so thank you so much for for coming on touch by prayer and thank you so much for um for sharing your testimony and and being so vulnerable and and also being so um, hopeful and sh- and sharing that hope with the audience Thank you, Lisa. This has been an incredible experience. I've enjoyed it so much. And, and I enjoy you. I just, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you have so much knowledge and so much wisdom from above, you know? It's like, I could just listen to you talk for hours. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that this has blessed you. Just remember that daddy is a good daddy. He is a good, good father. That's why that song was written, because he is a good, good father. And sometimes it might not seem that way. But if you look a little closer, you can see that he sees the end. We only see what we want to see. So just remember to, to look beyond. And to just keep trusting. And so thank you guys for for tuning in. You can check out um, Diane Moyers. Her book should be coming out with Seneca Sherborne and Michael King. So you can actually go to debomb.org to check out her website. Thank you guys and have a blessed evening. Remember to go out and touch someone. Good night.